I'm your host, Stephen Gutteridge, and welcome to Mid-South Moments. We welcome back a very special guest host this week. Phil Stegall returns today to review the August 11th, 1984 episode of Mid-South Wrestling. How are you doing today, Phil? Hello, hello. I am literally excited to be back and talking about these again. This is... My, I think it's my fourth podcast with fourth you. Fourth so. show, yeah, absolutely. I feel, I'm catching up with Dan or some of the others there. I feel like I had to get a green jacket or something. Well, or, this is know. it, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure. There used to be a, used to be a TV show in, in, over here called, well, it's still on actually, but if you were on, uh, it's about, about football, aka soccer. If you were on three times, you used to get you used to get a hat-trick ball. But for four, I'm not really sure. I need to come up with yeah. a Mid-South T-shirt or something, don't I? So sort of guest, guest host extraordinaire. <laughs> You definitely need to get your logo on a T-shirt. There's yeah, no doubt about so. it. Yeah, I've enjoyed so many of your guest hosts. Not I'm going to, but you know, your nephew and Dan and like, but uh, uh, was it Maria last week? Uh, uh, Maria, yes, yeah, Maria. Um, very interesting. Uh, hearing all their different takes from people that used to watch Mid South to people that are watching it for the very first time. I enjoy hearing their their take and their you know what they think about it. No, that's really good. And, that, and that's why I try to sort of mix it up a bit. Because I think, like, for example, my nephew's an interesting one. Because he's, he's we, we sort of talked about on that show about the, the 80s. And, like, he isn't I'm – a, I'm a child of the 80s, but I – born in 81 but so my early memories of sure, the 80s but sure. actually for him he's like what is what is this stuff like, what are these video packages that sort of blew his mind because right. even right. for him like he, he knows music videos but actually this like early music video stuff is just like I suppose it's a bit, bit for me like looking back at some 70s stuff that I perhaps you know wouldn't understand or wouldn't resonate with me some, quite so much as uh, as the right. 80s but ha- how are things locally with you with you there next and I know when we when we last spoke it was probably I'm guessing April time would have been. So, so how have things been over the last yeah. sort of couple of months? Well, um, you know, it's <clears throat> more of the same, but it's none of it's normal. Even mm. If you know what I know what I mean. Um, uh, who would have thought when we met or started talking back in February, and one of the first things we talked about was how this pandemic was affecting us all. That late July, it seems to be even worse. You know, oh, yeah. as far as. Yeah. Um, worse as far as things like uh, the measures we have to take and, you know, and numbers and things like that. So it's just uh, more of the same, you know, everybody wears a mask and, and you try to go about your business the best you can. Some, most business open, not all, you know, we, we've got varying degrees. Um, some people still out of work and mm-hmm. some getting back, but yeah, it's a, it's a, if you let it, if you kind of personal let things get to you, it can be a stressful time for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, hopefully, hopefully, I know there's a few different places around the world that are, that are doing well with the vaccine. I know Oxford University here is one. So fingers crossed and hopefully everyone's underplaying that a bit. And actually, we might be a bit further down the line than than we realize, um, yeah. hopefully. But and um, maybe there'll be some. But I agree. I, I thought, you know. I remember buying some tickets to a concert in July, in March, thinking, oh, because right. I think I knew by that stage that the European Football Championships was going to be off, which I had some tickets for. And I thought, oh, that'll be all right. Like, we'll right. be able to go to that. But yeah, nothing. And, and, and everything's behind closed doors in terms of sports here still. So um, I think we've got some we've got some bumps in the road because um, we were a bit later than Italy and Spain, but we've probably got some bumps in right. the road to come along right. in, the, in the coming weeks and months, unfortunately, as things start to open up here. But yeah, that's... Um, and the same, And that's the same with, you know, our American football here. Is yeah, looking real sketchy, and they're talking about limiting the size. Well, we've got uh, again from our our local team, our uh, Oklahoma football mm. team, the Sooners. Every 
every game they honor someone in the stadium that hasn't missed a game in 40 or 50 years. Oh, okay. Yeah. We've got, yeah. it's a hundred, it seats nearly a hundred thousand people. And some of these folks literally have had season tickets since the fifties. Mm, that's uh, heartbreaking. And, isn't the, and, and these things get passed down. Well, if they limit the size of the crowd, uh, you know, you think there's been riots in the streets before, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when, when you don't let people into the stadium. So, but everything that's going on, it will just with a kind of tongue in cheek grain of salt for your wrestling fans that listen to a lot of Jim Cornette. It's never as bad as Jim Cornette says it is. Okay? No, yeah, quite right. <laughs> Whether it's politics or, or wrestling or whatever. Now, I listen to a lot of Jim Cornette reviews and stuff, but it's never as bad as Jim says. Well, what do you think? What do you, do you, I mean, go, go, uh, not God, I'm sorry, because you spoke about it a bit, but what, what, what are your, because uh, I know I know Cornette's got a, he talks a lot of sense. He's he's a very, super, super intelligent man, knows so much about wrestling in terms of his history, you know, creative, what works, what doesn't work. What do you, what do your, what are your thoughts on his sort of vendetta, um, if you like, with, um, I know that basically what's happened with the AEW stuff is that he worked with some of these guys in Ring of Honor and it's almost like this barrier's come up and now he can't, he can't see any good in it. Um, whereas I think probably the way is there's some good and bad in most things. What, what, what are your thoughts as someone that sort of regularly listens to him? I, I have seen, okay, so a year ago, maybe listening to him, I would have, just thought, yeah, he's right. It's different than it used to be. It's not like the old days. It's not the days of kayfabe. And, and yeah, some of the stuff they're doing in the ring is just ridiculous. But it's grown so much to the point now, and he gets so much feedback, it, it, you know, on, on Twitter and other social media. He gets so much. Now I'm starting to wonder if he's not just playing the part again, being the heel manager. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is so over the top hate for the current product and i've just started recently uh going to be watching some interesting enough just a few days before i heard your last podcast with maria i renewed my old subscription to the wwe network okay and then i okay i had it in years past and watching pay-per-views and keep up with some things and i was having difficulty sometimes on my one device navigating the archive stuff that i wanted to see and y'all covered that you know, uh, but after listening to her, um, or before, right before listening to her, I renewed it and then I found it interesting. She used to actually work in that department. So mm. I, I've renewed it. So I'm going to try to catch up on a little bit of product, see what's going on. But Cornette right now seems so over the top in the reaction that I'm wondering if he's not just kind of egging it on, uh, staying relevant. He is when he's been out of wrestling, technically out of wrestling, uh, for a long time but he's one of the most mentioned people on social media by current wrestlers. Yeah. So I think that, that that's got to drive numbers to his pod. I think what you said is absolutely, absolutely right. That, that those opinions drive numbers to his podcast that gets the advertising revenue in probably gets his merchandise up and all that sort of stuff. <clears throat> I, th- I think that is, is he, is he playing a part or is he, because the thing is, you're absolutely right. I think that the stuff that we're watching, I mean, I don't know whether, whether, what, what percentage it would be, but I would say, maybe two thirds or three quarters or more. And you, you'd know better than me probably thought it was real back then. Would you, would you say around in this mid South at this, at this sort of time? Yeah. We, um, that appearance to me at the time was the majority 67, the rest of us just wanted to play along anyway. Yes. Yeah. And then sometimes you'd think, okay. And you've heard other people describe it. 
maybe those first matches were kind of exhibitions. So these guys generally just like each other and they really started hitting each other or they really yeah. got mad or, you know, it really. So although um, we knew, um, we knew what the truth was, we, we, it was easy to, dis, to suspend belief when the people on the stage totally lived it 24 seven, you know, if you saw him in public, if he was a heel, he was still going to be a heel. He played the part. You never saw them not in character. So uh, it was easier to buy into it and suspend belief, as they say, uh, when, and during the days of kayfabe. So I'm going to say 60, 80, but at least, 60-80% 60-80% uh, you know, thought it was the real deal. Mm. Um, the rest of us enjoyed it just like it was. And there was 20-30% uh, that would have fought you had you told them it wasn't real. And, yeah. you know, Sonny, and, and I made a note on something Sonny King said last week and Bill Watts said in regards to all that. Now, um, before we get to that, uh, uh, no, go ahead. That's that's a good that's a good moment because I thought that was really interesting last week when he when he actually and I, I wondered whether this was around the time because there was a 2020 thing uh, was it was it called 2020 the John Stossel thing um, the expose just just a couple years later oh was but it okay also, so I wondered if that was something I, to do with it yeah but perhaps not then the timing's probably I, off isn't it yeah. let me tell you what we had our 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 daytime television talk we had some some big again not many networks not many shows to watch so somebody had large audiences like phil donahue and sally jesse Raphael. i don't know if you heard of phil donahue oh yeah oh, yeah i've heard okay. about we used to get sally jesse Raphael here back in okay. the days as well yeah okay they each more than once would have a lot of the popular wrestlers on the show they might even have a ring set up and do a match oh wow and these guys would defend it to the hilt people mm. in the audience would stand up and say, Hey, this, you know, this, this can't be real, this fake, or, you know, some of them had legitimate questions, never seen wrestling before. And they'd have, but they would do an exhibition and, and Phil would ask him tough questions, but I'd see again, David Schultz and all them, but Greg Gagne, uh, Vern Gagne, uh, lady wrestlers, they would go on Phil Donahue's show in the mid eighties and just defend it as, as if it was, you know, major league soccer or whatever. Mm, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but you know, yeah, they, uh, Sonny King mentioned that in the last episode, people asked me if it's real or not. Yeah. Which is a really interesting Bill, line, isn't it? Yeah. Really Bill Watts never, Bill Watts never backed down from that. I remember an interview, what not an interview. It was a, I'm looking for it. I'm going back through the archives cause there's, two episodes of Mid-South. I think it was Mid-South, but I do know in Mid-South one time, Bill Watts was talking about when I first got into wrestling and they approached me and I came in to train, he said, I just knew it wasn't real. And so I'd ask him, well, where's the blood capsules? Where do you hide the blood capsules? And he said, it didn't take me long to figure out that was real blood, you know? Mm. So he, Joe Watts or Bill Watts never, uh, would ignore the question, is it, is it real or not? And like you said, they brought it up last week in the episode of Mid-South. Uh, and then ironically, one time I was watching, I remember being a kid, and there was a couple of masked men with full body suits on, so it might have been like the, I don't know, the mask invaders or something. And I'm certain I was watching, I saw one of them 
reach under his sleeve and pull something out and put it in his mouth. And sure enough, later he's bleeding from his mouth, you know, so I'd be watching, be watching for things like that. But then of course, learn later that when they're blading, you know, it's absolutely real. Mm. But Bill Watts comment on the Olympics, what you need to know what's going on then was all the major sports were getting pressure and outcry to institute instant replay. Mm. We, no sport, had yet started using instant replay. And the NFL was fixing to experiment with it. Well, that would be a disaster for pro wrestling. A heel would never, ever get to hold on yes. to the title again. Yeah. So that's why they would often, you'd often hear uh, uh, JR, uh, Jim Ross say something or Bill, well, you know, the ref didn't see it. He can't call it. You know, he's only one man in the ring. If the ref didn't see it, he just can't call it. And then Bill Watts comes along in this interview with Terry Taylor talking about the Olympics. What happened in the Olympics was they went to a replay and decided the other guy had scored some points instead of not being scored. And since it was a tie, the Canadian got to advance. So the American got cheated by replay is Bill mm-hmm. Watts' point there. We're not going to use replay. Other, He has to come up with a reason not to use replay. You know, what would that do to professional? Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So he's defending the no replay thing. That's that's what that was about. Yeah. Going back to the kayfabe thing, I think that um, and Jim Cornette. So obviously Jim Jim Cornette was involved in creating the WF in the mid nineties, and obviously by then I think the percentages had, had shifted quite a bit. In you know, and, and they tell it themselves that by that by that point, um, obviously this is scripted. For me, I think that. What wrestling fans, wrestling fans don't want things shoved in their faces. And I think that you're in a unique environment in wrestling because, but that being said, I don't know what sort of dramas and stuff you, 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 you like to watch, but I remember many times over the years, I've seen like a behind the scenes of whatever. I remember it probably wasn't something you were watching, but I remember the OC was like a, like a teen drama. Um, yeah, I and then, that. Yeah, yeah, do you remember that one? So I remember that was, I was probably like, maybe late teens, early 20s when that was on here. Um, and it was like a, this incredible, like, Californian set and all this sort of stuff. And they showed a behind-the-scenes of the OC, and it was like, well, it's not a real house. It's not on the beach. It's not a real pool. It's all green screen. And I'm just like, I don't want to see this. Like, why am I watching right. this? It's like, right. you, want to, you, want to, right. you want to believe that it's real. And I right. think there's nothing wrong with the fundamentals of, of, a, of scripted entertainment, but you don't want – I don't want to go on Instagram and it be – John Cena and The Rock is a really good example. That's the most bought wrestling pay-per-view of all time, WrestleMania 28. Um, and no one, I think, uh, maybe a few people, I shouldn't say no one, but the vast, vast majority knew that that wasn't a legitimate, you know, fight between the two. Sure. But that sure. sold, you know, one point, I think it was 1.4 million buys worldwide, inc- an incredible number for a wrestling pay-per-view. Um, they did a great job building up because they they made you believe somewhat there was tension between them, you know. And also, the other, the other thing that's really key, I think, for wrestling fans is, whether you know whether um, you know that the winner is predetermined or not, that doesn't always it doesn't it shouldn't have an impact and doesn't virtue all the time in who you want to win, um, or a lot for wrestling fans because we're all you know amateur uh, bookers. Who do we who do we think should win? And that and that sometimes that sometimes can be you know who do you think should win and who would you want to win and one and the same. So going into that, you know, that was you know a big deal. It was really interesting in terms of you know what ha- what happened there in the end, the Rock one, and they set up the rematch the following year, etc. But I think what would have spoiled that if you'd gone on Instagram a week before, um, you know, a week beforehand, and mm. John Cena had mm. been at the Rock's house enjoying a barbecue, right. you probably wouldn't want to see that. Right. So I or think they see got, him, yeah, right. see him talking about okay, here's the ending we're going to do, and yes, or, exactly. Who, 
who came up with the ending? You know, why? You know, I don't want to know. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, exactly. I don't, I don't want to know either. And that's fine. I think that, and that's where the line I think in wrestling is: just tell me simple stories that make sense. And, and I don't actually think now. I, and I, I don't. I've pretty much given up on WWE. I watch AEW pretty much every week, and I watch New Japan. New Japan is is pretty dire since the restart. Interesting, you speaking about. Um, Oklahoma football and potentially, you know, social distancing in the stands. So since Japanese, since New Japan has been reopened, you know, back up and running, they've had the arenas at one third full. But also, right, so they've right. all got masks on, and they've also they've gone even one step further. They've been told not to cheer or boost. They're allowed to clap. Wow! But it's a really, really unnatural atmosphere, um, wow. and the shows have, have, have not done not. Uh, in terms of reception, done very well. So you've got that quite unnatural there. AEW is more often than not a decent wrestling show. But for someone like you or I that's been watching it, you know, you longer than me, but, you know, 30 plus years, it's nothing that either of us would think is, you know, this is nine out of 10 wrestling. This is incredible. Like, this is so, so good. Sometimes it's a bit silly, but most of the time it's just fairly solid, you know, six and a half, seven out of 10, which because there's so little wrestling that's that good around, it becomes actually quite, you know, quite decent. And actually this week, this, if you're looking for something to watch, this past week's AEW show was actually one of the better ones they've done. Okay. It's certainly one of the, okay. the better empty arena shows, I think, that any any promotion has done so far. Yeah. But it's just like... And, you know, last week, uh, Marie made a good point. Uh, yeah, the, the stadiums are empty, but just like if you went to see a, a, a play to local high school, people aren't going to be cheering. The crowd's not into it. You still got to do the show. You still got to go. Yeah, and, exactly. You, know, you still got to perform and do the best you can. But I'm telling you, the days of kayfabe were, were magical. And it's just, um, it was just uh, a, a good time to be able to watch it, whether you uh, bought into it all or not. Well, so, but no, now, absolutely. It's something about the current product, correct me if I'm wrong. And, and just in the past few years five five years maybe even 10 years because i'm thinking back when i was watching wcw days in the in in the mid-90s and i watched quite a bit with my sons when they're growing up of, of the, even wwe and let's say 2000 2005 and a little past that but now it seems to me like almost everybody looks the same hmm. appearance wise or the majority and maybe I haven't watched anything currently enough to see, but the, the, the body types, the, 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 the appearance, it's not like a whole lot of difference from character to character. Uh, like there used to be, uh, you know, I mean, if you think about some of the different characters we had, uh, uh back then, you know, George Amos still didn't look like anything like Bruiser Brody. He didn't look like anything like Carrie, uh, Von Eric, who didn't look. No, I know you mean anything, there's different you know, cast of characters, isn't there? Yeah, different yeah. cast of characters and very a lot of variety, a lot of variety. Do you know? No, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I think I think what's interesting, um, and I haven't caught the whole show, but Dave Meltzer was talking about this uh, on there on last night. Um, in terms of pure in ring, so forgetting everything else, just in terms of putting two guys in there and have it and been able to put on. Um, you know, modern style, fast paced, athletic, and people would have their views around, you know, selling, not selling. That's you know, lots of super kicks, big moves, whatever. But but that that sort of style, WWE have got an incredible roster of talent at the moment. But you're right, no one is a star. Um, it's difficult to say about people being over or not when there's no crowd. But there's no, there are no stars in the WWE. That you know, there are, there really are. Right. Um, right. And that and that is that is when you've got such a deep roster of talent. Um, and in ring, they've never. And I, and I, I would. 
not not it, not the Benoit Guerrero days, not Steve Austin, the Rock and Triple H before that. In terms of pure in ring talent, they've never been better, um, and they can't. They just can't. No one is at a level. It, even I mean, they couldn't even get Roman Reigns at that at that level. They, they couldn't right, get Roman Reigns right. to the John Cena level. And John Cena um, was much derided during his his time on top, and he had a long run on top. But when when you look back at the um, the pay per view numbers that John Cena did, and the arena business that John Cena did, and it wasn't at the level of Steve Austin and The Rock, but really or Hogan, but who was really who who has ever you're talking about? You know, three of the most incredible wrestlers, you know, all rounders you know, of all time right. in terms of drawing ability. But then Cena, when Cena was gone, they just left, left with nothing. They had they they went after Reigns full on. Didn't really work. Now he's he's obviously on the back burner because of um, his health issues during the pandemic. It's just like there are no stars here, and there's only really one man at fault with that, and that's Vince McMahon. Because whatever creative genius he had is gone. But I, I don't know if you caught the the Black Saturday episode. And I know I'm, I'm sure you were watching when that and that happened. But I watched that that first presentation on TBS. Uh, yeah, TBS um, a couple of weeks mm-hmm. back. Yeah, and yeah. I could not believe. How, and, you, and people talk about Vince McMahon being this creative genius. And you, you go back in time 36 years ago. I could not believe how bad that show was when from, for a lot of those eye, eyeballs would have been used to more serious wrestling. And I know I'm oh, not saying he should, oh, have, he should yeah. have done something totally different, but he should have thought, well, actually, this is, you know, I'm going to present the best of my... Where's the Hulk Hogan match? Where's the Hulk Hogan interview? Where's anything? It was, it was right. dire. Well, it, it was awful. It was. Yeah. It was. I, me- I remember it then, and I've watched it a couple of times since. And then I watched it again when you did your special podcast. Great job, by the way. You covered oh, thank it you. really well. I sent you a message on that. Yes. We were, you, it, it, whatever you used to watch, watching. And of course, at the time, I was watching WCCW hmm. and uh, Mid South. And Georgia was my Georgia championship, was, was the meat and potatoes. Occasionally, I'd get to see other areas, but, but those three. So of course, Georgia championship wrestling and mid South wrestling was heavy on the small audience, but TV studio up close tight, you know? Uh, and then WCCW was the bigger arena, uh, but it had still had a, a live, exciting feel to it. Mm. When, when he, of course we were just blown away and stepped in, but then he started showing recorded matches that seemed to be, from a distance, it wasn't any kind of set we recognized. It didn't seem it's it, it just felt flat for one, yeah. but then just terrible wrestling. It, it wasn't. Was, it was awful. Good. That that Bobo Brazil match was a, was an abomination. I can't, I can't believe that actually made. Like if you if you think even if they had two weeks to 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 put this together, you'd have had a Hogan main event or three. And I'm not necessarily suggesting they should have put a Hulk Hogan match on that. Because you you know it's a different business than they were driving people to the arenas etc. But but I would have had Hogan up top. He, he's a year after he's a year after Rocky three. He's a massive star. You know, get him in a promo. Even get fly him into Connecticut and tape something with him. And he's and you know he's the first face you see. But apart from the tag team match, he, um, Hogan start, it was awful, a, wasn't it? It was awful. And and but you're absolutely right. From a business standpoint, they should have put their very best show on that time he mm. should have had hulk hogan live with him and did an interview him live with him right there 100 percent. yeah he should have been in the studio next to to freddie <laughs> you know i mean yeah it was dire and it 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 was a bad bad day <laughs> so i i just wondered whether because because vince vince has always been you know um you know such a you know wonderful 
Um, actually, when you think about it, he he has had you know quite a few um, quite a few misses over time, really, as well. And 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 he rode, you know, he he he. Well, Hulk Hogan wasn't a Vince McMahon creation. Hulk Hogan was a Hulk Hogan was a Hulk Hogan creation in the AWA with Vern. Oh, Garnier. absolutely. Yes, and and, absolutely. and yeah, and he brought someone else's top star in. And actually, um, you know, in terms of later after Hogan left. Brett and Sean did a you know reasonable job in there, but the but business was well down, and there was a lot of bad stuff in that early nineties period. And then, then all of a sudden, he, he lucked in to Steve, to Stone Cold Steve Austin, who he didn't really understand. And he had him in an awful gimmick, right. and and he, he just happened to have a couple of guys in um, the much derided Vince Russo and Ed Ferrara, who were right, right right in the midst of the kind of Jerry Springer, Howard Stern, Shock TV. Right. Um, era and he just he just was like oh well, I'm going to go with this and it worked for a few years and then he botched the whole thing when Steve Austin turned in 2001 and then since then it's been business has been going down down and down and down and now they're getting there I mean crikey who knows what's going to happen because I know there's a lot of sports coming up and I think there's it's baseball already started in terms of this in terms of the states at the moment yeah baseball just started up just yeah. just a few days ago yes and there's uh-huh. there's like nba like all day kind of thing isn't there in terms of the way yeah they're, M- they're, uh, nba just fired but yes mm-hmm. it's encouraging so, <laughs> yeah it's good and and raw is just raw is going to set some some new lows going forward but it's you know dan the the, the, the other host you um you you probably heard a few times he he yes, messaged uh-huh. me after the because i'm sure you've probably read this on twitter about the ray mysterio and um, Seth Rollins match where you had to pull the other one's eye out to win on the WWE pay-per-view a couple of weeks ago and he was mm. expecting like a rant from me about it uh, like because he often if he's watched something he'll send me like a voice note on WhatsApp in the morning and I just I just said to him I, I just haven't got the energy I'm not going to watch it I haven't got the energy to get annoyed about it because I'm just like I can't I just can't I'm like I just don't I'm not going to put myself through it but that's that's WWE into in 2020 sadly um I tell you what Phil let's uh let's let's because there's quite a lot to talk about in this um this episode sure, of Mid yeah. South so let's uh let's move forward into this. so so this is the this is the August 11th 1984 episode of Mid South Wrestling um and this is the second week where they've run the new snazzy opening with a bit of um yes. deep bass yes. guitar so what did you think of this when yes. this uh this sort of changed over um you know, I remember it well, and it was a, a the updated uh, opening was very well received. It was it was it was exciting. It seemed like it was modern, like we'd moved in. You know, it was keeping up with time. It was more modern uh, instead of showing uh, wrestlers that hadn't appeared on the show in a long time. So I remember you saying that up. before that the, 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 there was a lot of people that you know hadn't been around for a long time that were still you know still in this this opening. Um, so this this yeah. really updated it, didn't it? It really updated it. Now the old opening did show you that, kind of gave you the idea that Mid South was large and expansive and it covered a lot of stars. But updating with the current, the current ones um, was much better, and it was good. You know, uh, if I was going to pick one theme or the other, I prefer the first theme. But at the time, we really enjoyed the new. I think it's called. I looked it up one time. What it was, who who did it, and um, uh, it was a bass player that was, you know semi-famous at the time how they got away using that music like we talked about before i don't know now <laughs> i think they did also, it didn't they? Yeah. in that in that opening uh you made a comment uh you was talking about it where boyd pierce breaks into laughter slapping the table yes yeah i love that that bit that, so good that is in response to the second he saw cornet's face slammed into the cake that oh. was his reaction to <laughs> that's Ken- brilliant 
<laughs> he saw it. That was the immediate response right there. If you watch the original episode where Cornette, when the Rock and Roll Express came out and slammed his face down on the cake. Oh, that's that so was response to that. Now, there's a most of the new opening, it's short little video clips. There's a couple of still photos. Uh, last week, it came out first. There's a still photo of Hacksaw uh, Dugan in front of American Flag. That mm. is a piece coming from a video coming up that I want to make some points about that video. It's very, it's very telling. It also makes a commentary on today's times, but they completely rebranded Hacksaw Redugan. We'll talk about that. In yeah, no, great. Cause, cause that, that is interesting. There's, there's a bit I, I, he was sort of alluding to sort of perhaps not having a super patriotic past, but we'll, we'll come to that in well, the, in the, sorry, right, go, go ahead. Exactly. Yeah. We'll come, we'll come to that. We'd also talked before and uh, just real quick before we get into the, after we get past the new opening here, the Vince, the events leading up to all this, I went back in February, I mentioned at that time, Terry Taylor was more popular than Magnum TA, mm. but later that would switch. Well, you know, Terry Taylor, when he'd come in, he'd always been his own man, but uh, Magnum had pretty much always played second fiddle to Mr. Two. He was always the protege, right? Mm. Even when Terry Allen got slapped, he didn't stand up for himself. When Mr. Two threw in the towel, uh, and cost him the match against the Russian. He still didn't break away. But now you have a scene where finally Magnum T8 breaks away. Taylor is not getting his medal back from Dr. Death. You can see the slow turn for, with Dr. Death when he, you know, first, when he first took that medal from the Russian, you thought that was a good guy move. Yeah. The brilliance of Bill Watts is I'm going to turn this guy, and I think they had to turn him because they lost Nikolai Volkov and they needed another big, bad, bad guy. Yes, that makes right. complete sense. Yeah. They're Especially losing with the, with the top guys and who they were at the time. They, it made sense. They've got plenty of, they've, yeah. got, they've got Terry Taylor. They've got, you know, Magnum TA. They've, they've got their, their, their baby face roster is good, but they just lost a large heel. But they don't just turn you all, well, you know. Now, when you turn a guy, he just comes in and hits his best friend, and he's turned. This took quite a few episodes to turn Doc completely. Mm. So, but now Magnum's on his own. He's broken away. He's gonna. He wins the heavyweight championship, or the the North American heavyweight championship. Terry Taylor's not standing up to Doc, and he doesn't take the medal back. Doc hits him with it, and the only way he gets it back. Is in this episode here. Yes. When Bill yeah. watched his hands, when Bill watched his hands and take. So this kind of propelled the time when Magnum TA's popularity propelled past uh, uh, Terry, Terry Taylor. Yeah, it was it was interesting as well with, with Terry in the in the um, in the role that he is he is coming up actually as well, which I, I found quite an quite an interesting segment. So Boyd Pierce is at the desk in a, a black suit with white pattern along with Bill Watts, and and Boyd says that last week they promised us that they would bring back the match, the pretty young things and Crusher Khrushchev and Buddy Landell. Um, they were sincere when they said that, but some things have happened, and now Crusher Khrushchev has signed on to meet the Junkyard Dog, which is going to be one part of the television main event, um, and then the pretty young things have signed to face Buddy Landell and Hacksaw. I've written Hacksaw or Jim Duggan, but that would be quite a, quite a change in in, uh, in Jim Duggan's mm-hmm. game. So Hacksaw Butch Reed is actually who they were, they were up against there. Um, Correct. So what, what says they've been getting a lot of mail about how the rest prepare for the matches? 
Um, and in the past, McIntyre has said that he wouldn't feel like the true North American champion until he can beat Hacksaw Butch Reed. Um, that match has now been signed, and Watts says that they're going to show us Magnum training along with his friend Terry Taylor and Tommy Rogers. Now, I thought we were going to get a video package here, um, but what we got was actually really, really interesting. So, um, yes. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was this was quite a segment actually, and I, and I actually really liked it. So, so in ring, Jim Ross is there with Rogers and Taylor and Magnum. And Magnum tells Ross that they're going to do uh, they're going to go back to basics in terms of how they get their agility down and their timing. Um, and then basically, what we get is a bit of a sparring session. So you, we get Magnum and Taylor struggling in a collar and elbow tie up, um, with neither really getting the advantage. And Watts says on commentary that it's a lot harder than meets the eye. Uh, Magnum then gets back on the mic and says that balance is the most important thing, and that's why they they do these drills. Um, he then gets on the floor in a traditional wrestling position, and Rogers and him run through a really impressive looking chain of grappling here, um, which I thought looked great. I mean, this is, you know, I've se- I've seen some matches. Um, in uh, UWF uh, from Japan around this time and also um, later kind of um, sort of matches that were presented more as a shoot rather than, but, but, you know, you know, you know, it's a word, but a lot of grappling and this, this, this high level stuff, this was high level stuff from these guys. And they, I thought they looked yes. absolutely fantastic in this. Um, and then next up, Magnum and Taylor go for it again. And then again, both men look fantastic. Um, sort of reversing one another um, in and out of various holds and stuff. And I, I just thought, oh, crikey, I'd love to see sort of these guys just do this for 10, 15 minutes. Um, and, and as this was happening, the crowd reacts big and Butch Reed and Buddy Landell come down. And Reed says, um, you call that a workout. And Landell calls Magnum a paper champion and offers his services as a proper training champion. I'll just stop there. Um, but what did you think of the, before we go on to the next bit, what did you think of the kind of Magnum, Rogers and, and Taylor bit to start off with here? This was a, a fantastic segment. You know, Watts was always doing continually things to just add credibility to their sport. Um, a- amateur wrestling in this part of the United States has always been huge, huge. It's as big as amateur wrestling for little kids here is as popular as uh, soccer is over there. I'm just wow. telling you. Yep. So uh, to see they're, they're showing off that, you know, it does add credibility and legitimacy, but they're showing off that they're – they truly know how to wrestle. They, they've yep. got wrestling skills. Uh, and this whole segment right there when they're working out showed, Watch was making the point that this is about the wrestling. It's about mm-hmm. the whole show. The whole thing is about wrestling. It's not about little silly backstage vignettes, you know, uh, or at least make you think it's about the wrestling. Mm. So, uh, you know, I'd, and, and as the years would go on and I'd start seeing things like, commercial breaks during a match or interviews being conducted during a match. Oh, wait a minute. It's not about the wrestling anymore. Yes. You know, yeah. uh, so, but Watts is trying to, to bring that, but it was a great segment. The guys showed that they really do got some technical skill and ability. Yeah. I, I just thought I, I, I can't speak highly enough of this. This is, um, you know, what probably one of the best things I've seen from start to finish on on, on Mid-South. This is right up there with the uh, Magnum TA and Mr. Wrestling 2 sort of slow burn storage, I think is the, is the best story that's been told so far. Um, this this was just fantastic. Um, so Magnum drops the floor to give Landell the advantage in what Watts calls the referee position. Um, Magnum shakes Landell's attack off quickly and then offers Reed the chance to get in the ring. Um, Landell instead drops down this time and Magnum controls him until uh, Landell makes out makes it to the ropes uh, and then he squirms to the outside. Um, Reed says, let me tell you something, Chump, when I get in that ring, it won't be a workout, it'll be for the North American title and he's going to take it back and you can take that to the bank. 
Um, Ross says, obviously, the workout has been interrupted and we head into the break. Um, again, I, I just thought this, this was great. What did you think of this, um, this bit with, um, with Reed and Landell to, to close this segment off? Oh, it's very good. You know, um, it, it's, it played well into their characters. It's, it's continuing to bring more and more heat. As fans, you know, we're enjoying seeing our favorites do their workout Dead gummit, what Butch Reed, Buddy Landell, you kidding me? Get out of here. You know, mm. we don't want to see it. You know, so um, we didn't want to see them come out. So that added heat, as they would say in these these days. But yeah, excellent. Yeah, really, really good. Um, so back from break, uh, Watts recaps the Mid-South tag team title match from the last week, uh, which was no DQ. Um, and they really sang a lot around um, in this period about the rules. Um, and it's difficult for Mid-South or the referee to have control when the rules stipulate that things, you know, anything can be done. Um, so they recapped this match, which ended with Hercules blasting Duggan with a coal miner's glove so Eaton could make the pin. Um, and then back to the desk, Watts reiterated that Cornet had spent $10,000 to get the coal miner's glove from Crusher cruise ship. Um, and again, Watts talks about um, sort of battling, uh, getting very intense in Mid-South. There's very little they can do um, in the circumstances when, when the rules are what they are. And this is quite a long recap. Uh, what did you think of this, uh, this angle from last week um, and, and you know, this, this overall situation and, and a lot of talk about the, the weapons and the various stipulation matches? A lot of talk about the weapons. Again, you know, in, in real life, Bill Watts has no desire whatsoever to eliminate a weapon, but he's got to make it look like a credible sport, you know, that's legitimate. Yep. So we're going to, I put the $10,000 into the inflation calculator and <laughs> that's tw- almost $25,000. Wow. That's a lot of money for a glove. You just spent a glove made out of gold. Glove. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And same thing with, with the fines, you know, you're finding a guy 25 grand, you know, most Americans weren't making that in a year. Mm. Right? 25 so, grand is a lot of money anytime, but 84, sure. I mean, that's a lot of money, isn't it? So, right. Yeah. Right. So uh, back from the break, we have Jim Cornette in the ring with Jim Ross. And Cornette said that the other team requested the no DQ match. Not them. I think this is really good from Cornette when he is basically saying that it's, it's plausible uh, what Cornette's saying. So, so the heel is a heel in wrestling supposed to believe in what they're saying. I think Cornette does such an excellent job of this. Um, they said they wanted to play by the rules, um, and that's why in the end he had to buy the coal miners' glove. And I think he said that the, that ended up saving his life, which which made me laugh. Um, he hmm. agrees with Mid South taking the weapons out. Um, he says that Joel Watts has put together a video package on Hacksaw Jim Duggan, but they wouldn't air it because it proves he can't beat anyone without using the two by four. Um, Cornette says he has friends at the network and he's got it and he's going to show everyone, um, basically show everyone this video package. Um, we then cut to Hacksaw standing in front of a Stars and Stripes flag saying two years have passed since he came to Mid-South. Steven, Steven, Jump in, yeah. Phil. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, let me interrupt just real quick. You caught some of that. When you first started viewing these episodes, there was a couple of comments made, but probably in the year before that or so, Hacksaw, Jim Duggan, remember they talked about his lifestyle, wanting to live it his way. Yes. And remember they tried to cut his hair. Remember they tried to cut his hair with scissors. Yeah. And they, he even made comments one time about bathing and showering to this point, he was portrayed as more of what we would have called, um, the hippie Mm. hippies. And, and that was a subculture of, in America where you look down upon as being, you live in a commune, you're smelly, you're dirty mm. and probably do drugs. You, okay. So, but 
and also the fact that he was always billed from New York. Okay. There's just like you may have heard over the years in America, there being like a, uh, a uh, rivalry between East coast rappers and West coast rap. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. There's a, there's a, a, a rivalry. And and when I say North and South, you think of American civil war, but just the lifestyle of the people that live in New York city, for example, and the people that live in the deep South. Oh, we, we have a, we have a very similar kind of, they call it the North and South divide here. Um, it's, 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 it's very similar, like, uh, the, the kind of stereotype is that the north, the northern part of the country is very friendly and welcoming and etc. Whereas the southern people, which is including myself, are like bigger city, no time for anyone, okay. bit rude. Okay. I guess we're probably more New York. Yeah, we're probably the more the New York Perfect. example. Exactly. In that, I guess. Yeah. You know, yeah. we got we got. If you want to go to extremes and slangs, you got the rednecks and the Yankees. You know, mm. we say, well, those yeah. damn those damn Yankees, right? <laughs> yes. They're, they're, I'm just going to tell you what's one thing very very quickly before you carry on. Sure. So I remember the first time I was ever in New York, I was in New York Yankee shop in wherever it was in New York. Uh, yes, I was just looking yes. at a block, maybe getting a base or something, and someone someone ran up to the door and shouted, "Yankee suck!" about as loud as anyone's ever shouted anything. Uh, I just thought that was absolutely hilarious. So yeah, I thought I'd, I'd share that. But yeah, carry on with right. the, with the background right. of this. Well, and, and so so there's like I, I had a very similar. I mean, I was standing there talking with a gentleman at work. I was training some employees, and he's from Texas. I'm from Oklahoma. They're they're the biggest in conference rivals. That's a, a hundred year old rivalry between Texas and Oklahoma. It's mm. just heated, and we're arguing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And the gal says. The other girl said, I don't care about any of that. I like Penn State. <laughs> yeah. We turned and looked at her, and all of a sudden, we're comrades. You know, all of a sudden, yeah. we, you know, she's so, but he's built from New York. He's a hippie. He's the freestyle. He's not conventional. Uh, so that was the attitude. And what would Bill Watts say he'd like to live his own lifestyle according to his own rules? Mm-hmm. They were referring to him being the subculture of the hippie. And now they're going to push him and they bring out what you're just fixing to describe here in, in the, in the video package. Go ahead. Great. So, so, um, where were we? So he, Oh yeah, I was going to say, so, so basically, um, he says that a lot of things have happened in the last two years since he's been in mid South. Um, and then we, firstly with Skandar Akbar, um, and then Ted DiBiase, we thought was his good friend. Um, Jim Duggan says he stands proud for the flag. Um, and then it shows him walking in the woods with a two by four. Um, and the music in the background is the South's going to do it again by the Charlie Daniels band. I'd not heard of the Charlie Daniels band, but I wanted to ask you, Phil, if you had any of these guys. Oh my, Oh, Charlie Daniels and Charlie Daniels just passed away this week. Oh, sad. Okay. Charlie Daniels had a very, very big hit called the devil went down to Georgia. Uh, I'm surprised you hadn't heard it, but it's country music. So maybe you hadn't, but, but in the eighties, Charlie Daniels was as popular as Johnny cash or, or any other country. No, Charlie Daniels was major. Charlie Daniels collaborated on things with, 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 with Dolly Parton and all the others. It, oh, this, how interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie Daniels, Charlie Daniels, uh, again, was one of the most major, majorly big country and Western stars of that time. Hmm. Uh, this, and interesting enough, this song, I don't think the song that they're playing right now would fly in today's environment. Okay. Um, 
it's referring when he says now all he mentioned is a bunch of southern rock groups and and he says but he, when he say the south's going to do it again there is a phrase that lived for a long time now let me preface this by saying when i'm growing up in the south and we see the 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 rebel the confederate flag the rebel mm. flag which doesn't make a lot of sense cuz obviously it's another country's flag technically right but to us it, and there's a lot of controversy going over it in the United States right now. People are tearing down statues and burning the flag and this kind of thing. What it meant to us mainly was that Southern lifestyle. We eat fried chicken and chicken fried steak. We drink sweet tea with too much sugar in it. We go hunting. We go fishing. Uh, we dip tobacco. Uh, and we drive pickup trucks. Mainly mm. to all of us, that's what that flag meant. There are some people now that want it equate it back to racism and slavery Mm. which which makes a good point but the phrase was south's gonna rise again boys Mm. well again as a little kid we'd hear this the south's gonna rise again to us that meant we'll we'll be the popular states we'll be the ones that you know our lifestyle pervades over those cold new yorkers okay when really back really I guess back in the 1890s, 1900s, 1910s, South's going to rise again. I mean, we're we're going to be the Confederate nation again. Mm. So I, you know, this song now would would make everybody think it's a hot topic. It's 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 sensitive right now, and yeah, so I don't think yeah. that song would fly. But Charlie, that's not even what Charlie Daniels singing about. But that phrase. South's going to do it again is equating to the South's going to rise again. Mm. No, that's interesting. We, 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 our, our, um, our country music, I mean, obviously a bit of Dolly Parton and maybe a bit of Shania Twain later on, um, but that's about as far as, and I know she's Canadian as well. So, um, so back into to this video package, it, it then shows, um, basically it shows Duggan getting out of a big truck um, with his two by four and then smashing some opponents with him with it. And there's some more in ring action. Um, we see then some excellent reversing in this truck. And I, I must say, I wouldn't like to try and get that into a space at the supermarket. Um, back to some more in ring action and one particular. I'm sorry. Bruce- what, 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 what about the super? What was that? Called? Oh, sorry. I was just saying that that, that truck is huge and we don't have big cars. We have, we have some big cars here, but we I'm don't have big cars like that. So I wouldn't like to I try and get that in the space a, at the, at the supermarket. That, no way. That, that is a Ford F-150 on with It's raised up a little bit with, with bigger tires hmm. with I'm sitting outside of a town. I'm on five acres. It looks exactly like the stuff he's walking around on this video. Mm. But I'm telling you the if there's 300 vehicles uh, within a 20 mile radius of me, a hundred of them look just like that. Oh, really? All, yeah, F, interesting. Yeah. F, <laughs> F-150 was the number one selling vehicle for at least 20 years in America, in all of America. But 50% of everybody that I know drives a pickup truck. A lot of them are that pickup truck. Mm. And, uh, it's it's a ha- these guys they all like to back them in. I drive a pickup truck. It's not that one, but a little smaller. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a huge truck. But you'll see that tr- today. I can drive through town and I'll see that truck, and somebody will have the American flag planted in the back of it 
waving as they drive down the highway. We see it all the time. That's a yeah. that's a daily that's a daily driver for us right there. Yeah, that's kind of, I mean that that's the thing. The, the big difference is that is obviously we talked about this before, but the space. I mean, I'm looking out of my my front window, the, the road I'm in, and you can barely get a, barely get a normal car single line down there. <laughs> so let alone one of those things. I don't right. think I could get it down my road. But yeah, I was just thinking that as soon as I uh, as soon as I saw that, I thought, oh crikey, what a nightmare that would be to try and park. And um, so back in back, he's back marching in the woods. There's some more in ring action. Um, the tr- he's now driving off in the truck. Uh, back in ring, uh, Hacksaw is standing, arms folded. Uh, sorry, back in the ring, and then after Hacksaw is standing, arms folded in the woods. Um, there's some more in ring stuff, and we get a close up on the Ford logo on the rims of the truck. Um, he's now kneeling and putting in some chewing tobacco in a field. Um, yes, back in the yes. ring, and that, so that's obviously a big thing as well—the the chewing tobacco. Everybody, it, 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 every, most guys, and I never used the, the product, but it, it came in a round can called skull or copenhagen mm. everybody you know in the back of their jean pocket there's always this white ring because they're always sitting on it and i mean it, it, that that seems like a simple thing him putting that dip in his mouth that's, that's relating to a whole lot of people that's mm. that's i'm telling you they're re totally rebranding hacksaw right here so he's becoming more of a you know Country southern boy. So, yeah yeah absolutely yeah absolutely so back in the car um i really like this he, he just drives through like a big puddle um and it just looked like nothing so his truck just smashes through this this big bit of water here um and then finally we're back to doug and in front of the crowd um then he said he's proud of the flag so this is interesting so you be touching this at the start so i think i didn't a little bit difficult to hear on the version I, I watched, but he said that a few, I think he said a few years ago, he wasn't too patriotic, but times have changed. So this is around, you know, him and his bad guy character, basically, isn't it? I, right. I presume. Right. Uh, and he, and also there's a huge wave of patriotism going on because he mentioned the hostage situation and we mm. lost some good men getting the hostages out. That's when the, the, you know, the embassy, uh, was stormed over there and there's 50 something American hostages taken for, for over a year. And, and then when Ronald Reagan became president, he's able to, to get him out. Well, there's a, there's an attempt to go in and, and rescue those folks. And, and some soldiers died uh, yeah. trying to get him out. So that's what he, so he's saying, I'm, I'm caught up in this wave of patriotism now, you know, America's yeah. great kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it, and it and it worked, and it because he was he was getting great great reactions. Um, back to back to Ross in ring, and he says, um, "This is this is great from Cornet." So Ross says, "Personally, I thought that was a great video." And then Cornet comes back with, "Well, I think personally that was a piece of garbage." Um, right. It shows, which I thought was hilarious. Again, just perfect, perfect timing from Cornet. Um, and he says it shows uh, Joel Watts, Bill Watts' own son, having favoritism towards Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Um, he calls him a hillbilly and said that Duggan had injured his vocal cords. Um, he adds he hoped he enjoyed being hurt with his own weapon and calls him a big goof. Um, Steven, I thought, go ahead. Uh, uh, don't don't lose that thought there. But interesting enough, I went uh, since I re- I also watched this episode on the uh, WDE network to see what music they would put in. Oh, okay, and, yes, yeah, yeah. And the title of of, of the song uh, was had Hillb- hillbilly hoedown. Okay. Interesting enough. So he just called him a hillbilly. So that's just making my my point that they're turning him into a southern country boy. But a group I'd never heard of, Tony Tapp and Barry Ryder, did Hillbilly Hoedown. Shazam picked it up. So it was some recording. Uh, oh, how interesting. So I guess they must that, have got some some licensed music for the network versions. Then. It probably would. I've never heard of them. 
heard country music all my life, never heard of these guys, but in that, but in the WWE where they have to dub in some other music, they used a song that had hillbilly in the title mm. 36 years before there's Jim Cornette using the hillbilly, but it brought it to, for him to say, well, I thought it was garbage. I mean, that's just, he's brilliant and bringing heat on himself. That oh, was he's just fantastic. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Superb. Um, okay. So back from the break, we have in the ring, the Russian sympathizer, Krusha Khrushchev going up against the junkyard dog who makes his way out to his usual queen theme. Um, Boyd reminds us on commentary that Khrushchev originally came to mid, this is, I, I love the rugged outdoorsman character that Khrushchev came to mid South in, um, with his, with his jean shorts, etc. That was right yeah. at the start of me watching. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah. then, then he started talking about how the Russians were sort of better weightlifters and stuff. And then finally then he went the, the, the full, full way and, um, and turned, uh, what says it's strange that Volkov has been absent, especially as the Russian athletes didn't turn up to the Olympics. Uh, and interestingly, Volkov actually debuted the night before this show aired. So he debuted in the World Wrestling Federation on oh, the Friday okay. evening. Okay. Um, so there's quite a bit of stalling in this one early on before JYD briefly got on top with his famous headbutts. Um, what says we're going to have a statement from Dr. Death Steve Williams later on, um, who is very unhappy about having the TV title medal taken away from him. Um, what says the one thing that the Olympics being in the States this year has done has united everyone and brought out their patriotism and he's loved watching yes. with his wife. Um, yeah. Do you think, I just because just, I, I, my earliest memory in life, funnily enough, is something from this LA Olympics um, which was what I, because I think it was my parents and I were on holiday somewhere, a holiday camp. And I can remember our, our big, our big sports show at the time on a Saturday afternoon was called Grandstand. And they changed the color of the studio for this LA Olympics. So though I can't yes. remember anything for years afterwards, I do remember that. But interesting, obviously, you, the, the Olympics was back in Atlanta in 96. So did it, did the LA one feel bigger in the country? Because it's a, it's a big, it's a massive deal. I mean, I remember when the Olympics here were in 2012, it was, it was a huge thing for the country. It was like an amazing celebration. Like every medal just seemed to go, seemed to mean so much more because it was here. So did you feel that like the LA one was bigger than the Atlanta one back then? Well, well, yeah, and there's another reason why the LA felt so so big. The previous Olympics, America did not compete. Ah, of course, yes. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Carter boycotted yep. it. Uh, it uh, and odds-on favorite for that Olympics to win the gold medal and the discus throw was Kerry Von Erich. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Kerry was going to compete in the Olympics – uh, and then it got boycotted. Mm. Well, the, so then we've been without the we missed the Olympics. So yeah, it did seem bigger, but for more reasons than just what you're referring to. We yeah, that makes the previous Olympics. I'd actually forgotten that because that was in Moscow, wasn't it? The um, the in the 1980 Olympics. I think we might have got a met. I think we got maybe the silver in the hundred meters that year because of that. So that was uh, not every, every cloud well, you're is welcome. a silver land. Yeah, thank you. Because <laughs> I don't think we would have done otherwise. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> back then, I remember we were. Te- I mean, we 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 were. Um, we were pretty bad at the Olympic. I mean, I think uh, maybe Atlanta Olympics, we got one gold medal the whole games in rowing. Um, but right. we, we since then, so you, I'm sure you guys have probably had lotteries and that sort of, you know, not, you know, uh, like a um, something you could buy a ticket for and win, you know, millions of dollars, et cetera. We haven't had that for all that long here. That's only been probably around for maybe 20, 25 years. And a lot mm. of the um, profits from that, they when they agreed to have one, it had to go to good causes in the United Kingdom, and a lot of the, a lot of that money goes towards things like sports. So a lot of the Olympic success we've had okay. since then has been because of that. So a bit of a, I don't know how we got onto 
national lottery funding for for British Olympic athletes. There, but obviously that's a as on a mid south wrestling podcast. But there there we go. But yeah, I, I guess I can completely understand why the LA one was such a such a big deal. And was that was the LA Olympics when Carl Lewis won the hundred, two hundred, and the long jump? I think wasn't it, and the four by one hundred relay as well. Was oh, it would be yeah. It would it would have to be in that yeah it must have been yeah yeah Carlos at that time was yeah eighty four that would probably eighty yeah 84, I guess four yeah must have been. That, yeah right because because so, Seoul was Ben Johnson wasn't it with the um with the the gold medal and then they got it got taken away from him in eighty eight which is right uh, which is a big back, scandal yeah. Yeah. Sure um, yeah okay so uh, where are we so so basically. Um, out of almost nowhere here, JYD hits the power slam after atomic drop for the clean as a whistle winning 343. Um, and this wasn't quite it for Khrushchev in Mid-South as he'd be around for a few more weeks. Um, but clearly they wanted to get some big wins over him on the way out. Um, and then from September for the rest of 1984, um, Barry Darso would make his living in Florida. Um, what did you think of this short match between these two? Um, is, you know, I've heard what's talk about uh, when junkyard dogs start to get out of shape and now to pay attention, I kind of start seeing it's good, Matt, you know, they did get a good quick win there, which is kind of interesting for, for two, usually your squash matches aren't that quick. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean your squash matches are, but not between these guys. No, I I thought you, but when these, when, when, when two stars come out or four stars in a tag team match, your automatic assumption is there's going to be maybe no finish at all. Sure. Yeah, or, or, or on TV, probably maybe no finish at all, or there's going to be a screwy finish. But yeah, this was clean as anything, wasn't it? Which is which is unusual. Yeah, it was unusual. Really was. Yeah, I, I, yeah, and I think obviously that I think Volkov did some did some similar things on his, his way out of the promotion as well. And um, so next up, we have Buddy Landell and Butch Reed versus the Pretty Young Things who come out to a strong reaction. And um, Watts goes off on a long tangent about um, bench press and how interesting it would be to know what Butch Reed and Hercules' five rep max would be. And how when he was always he was lifting, he always felt um, that if he could get to five reps, he could probably add another fifty pounds on. While I found this quite amusing, I also thought at the same time this is actually really good because he's he's like these guys are really strong. He's throwing in some incredible numbers in there. And actually, as a fan at home, even if you've got like a you know you know even if you've got no interest, some interest, whatever in this sort of stuff, in this weightlifting sort of stuff, you're thinking, well, crikey you know, I can only do, you know, one twentieth of that or one fiftieth of that or whatever. And I actually thought, you know, this is, this is, this isn't, though it's, it's amusing in a way in, in hindsight, I thought it was really good stuff from, from Watts here as well. So, um, Annoyingly, though, PYT have got different colour blue tights on this week, um, which is <laughs> yeah. always something I absolutely hate. It's like, come on, guys. I wondered whether one of them had, had brought the wrong set along. Um, and the other guy's like, well, I'm, I'm wearing light blue, not, not navy blue. Uh, so, yeah, what's again, is talking on commentary about how there's not much Mid-South can do when the rest of the sign matches with stipulations that add to the danger and he wishes again really good really nice this was he, he wishes they would sign contests within the traditional rules of wrestling another great touch from Watson commentary and I, I do think that he adds he does add a lot to this show when he's in commentary um, and you, oh, I'm absolutely. sure you'll know more Phil but he, he's not on all that much now and it's when I see him if I if I had to go number one I'd want Ross and Watts uh, Bill Watts this is and number two I would want Boyd and, and Bill Watts I mean, then probably number three, Ross, sure. Joel, but th- but that in that order because because I think Boyd and um, Boyd and Watts, but Watts just adds so much to it. But he's, he doesn't do it very often, does he? Not often, but it's always no. good. 
Um, yeah, it's always good with him. Um, so Landell hits Austin with a huge, stiff-looking forearm as the bad guys take control. Um, Austin makes it to the corner of the tag, but the ref did not see it in a classic tag team move. Um, and then while the ref's back is turned, Reed and Landell drop Austin over the top rope, neck first. Um, and then Landell drops the elbow for the win. And this is relatively clean again. So um, unfortunately, I do not have the time of this match because when I clicked it was on my... just under It was just under four minutes. Oh, good. Was uh, it? Okay, great. It was, when I, it's I just clicked... under four minutes, right at four minutes. It wasn't Fantastic. long at all. And I made her know that because here's what's interesting. Their PYT is coming out to music. Mm. They're, they're in costume. They're coming out. They're obviously getting some push here. But they do a job and a quick job, you know, and relatively we clean as well, wasn't it? I, I mean, this yeah. is pretty clean. Yeah, yeah, it didn't take much cheating for them to win. So, you know, when you're a little kid, and you're watching, you you'd see here's the here's the ring announcer, here's the next patch coming up. You got a guy standing in the ring, no pomp, no circumstance, no special name. Mm. Then you get the guys come walking down the aisle to music. You know who's going to win. You know who they're pushing, yeah. right? I mean, or should win unless. They have some type of upset, but they're, they're, they're building up PYT. They've got them coming out to, to, to music. They're in costume. They got the special name and they do a quick job here. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Just interesting. It's different. It was interesting, but yeah. Well, do you know if I haven't looked actually, I did mean to, do you know if they were around much after this in, um, in terms of in mid South? I mean, I, Not I, too long, if they were. I don't think they, I don't think they did as a tag team, obviously, um, Coco Beware being younger, he went on, you know, uh, you know, he had a, when he went on the WWF, WWE obviously had a huge mm. career. But together as the two of them, I don't think they, I don't remember them yeah, going on far. No, yeah, actually, um, they are gone from Mid-South. Um, well, in fact, they were gone actually before this, um, th- that was their last appearance on, oh, uh, no, no, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm mistaken. There is another appearance later in, uh, in August, but these guys are, are pretty much completely world-class thereafter for most of 84 and also a little bit of um, championship wrestling from Florida as well. So I, I guess, again, that this is um, – it's interesting, though, because around as you, as you mentioned, around this time, you're starting to see – I mean, you, I think you mentioned you were watching three promotions fairly regularly around this time. So yes. though these guys are doing, doing the honours on Mid-South. They're going over to world-class, um, and people will have seen that they've, you know, that they've lost there. So – it's almost like some of these old things that they would use to, you know, someone loses on the way out of one promotion, but then they go into another, starts to not work so much when everyone could kind of see everything, I guess. Um, so after the break, we get Tim Horton, who is famous for excellent coffees in Canada um, versus Mike Jackson. Hmm. Um, what says that Jackson is a real crowd favorite as he got, has a lot of speed and a lot of technique. I thought this was really interesting the way that, because I, I thought this is a bit odd because Jackson's more often than not, though, you know, very proficient in ring is, is used as a kind of enhancement talent, if you like. And this was, and I hadn't seen Horton before. Do you know much of him? Yeah. Horton was, a, uh, um, no, I don't know much of Horton. I watched, a couple of previous episodes he he was in a horton was in a tag team match in the previous episode right with the fan against the fantastics oh was he okay i, 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 I was, that's about blank my memory i think yeah oh he was terrible he couldn't figure out how to get arm whipped into the ropes he, he boxed oh yeah i know you mean yes moves. yeah exactly and he joe what this fell apart really really quickly didn't it so they, it they started they started well um and then 
it seemed to Horton lost his way, and I thought Jackson really cracked him with a, with some stiff looking offense. And I don't know where that was. And just the to referee like, even hopped in to get him to mix it up. The referee yeah. had an unusual reaction during this, but Horton was doing a, a terrible job at the time. Maybe he got better yeah, with more experience. Really, really odd. <laughs> In case um, you're listening, Tim, nothing yeah, personal. Sorry, just, Tim, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Tim. But <laughs> you did a better job than I would do, Tim, to be fair. So there, exactly, there we go. But yeah. Exactly. Um, but, but here is interesting, but he's doing – he's Mike Jackson gets – and I'm not – I'll let you take it from here, but he got Tim Horton. He's doing a job to a jobber. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and basically Jackson wins this um after Inseguri and then a couple of drop kicks in two oh six as Butch Reed makes his way down to the ring. Um and Reed, of course, was I think he was visionary pinned in an angle involving Sonny King a few weeks back after King had hit Reed with a chair. Um yes. Reed challenges Jackson to a match if he has the guts. Did you um, notice how on the on the uh Mike Jackson's going up for the Inseguri and the camera cuts away? Oh yes, read. yeah. What, Mike what good Jackson's timing. shining moment he never gets <laughs> to win. He never gets to win. Never's been on the mic. This will be the first and only time in years of Mike Jackson ever heard of the mic, and he does a good job. Yeah, he did. But he's he really going did. up for the Inseguri, and the and the camera cuts away. To yeah, <laughs> terrible. Um, so uh, basically, there's, there's, there's an imp- impromptu match here. There's no bell, um, but the, but uh, and actually. Um, Jackson actually gets on the mic here um, and he says about uh, sort of every, everyone around him's class, but, but Reed's, got, Reed's right. low class, basically, um, which gets a really good reaction from the crowd. So I, th- I think that Jackson was a bit of a favourite in um, because obviously they see him a lot and et cetera. So, and I'm sure they appreciated his effort that he put in at these tapings. We always liked Mike. They always let him get some offense going and can mm. almost win. And then, of course, you know, in the previous episode, Sonny King interfered, and, and so Mike Jackson got to pit Butch Reed. But, like, not even the PYT got to get the offense going in the previous match. They never got on the, the offensive. There was not even a comeback by either team because, uh, you know, Reed and Landell totally had the offense. Well, anytime Mike Jackson wrestled anybody – you thought maybe this is one he's going to win. He always did, no matter who he wrestled, he got a lot of offense going. Yeah. And so it was exciting to see him win that match. No, absolutely. I think it was a good, it was a good use of him here as well. Um, he actually takes uh, brief control of the match with, um, with Reed, yes. a couple of drop kicks um, and a flip out of the corner. Um, and actually Bill Watts, briefly channeled Vince McMahon here with a false he's got him uh, as Reed kicked out on two. Um, Reed gets back in control and hits a devastating looking short clothesline to the neck that Watts calls a forearm. Um, Reed wins with a press slam. Um, I thought this was decent. This is this was, this was a good, good little showcase for Jackson to start off with winning a match. Um, built him up for Reed, the biggest star, ultimately beating him. Um, uh, Watts reiterates it wasn't an official match. It's the sort of thing they're trying to start. So again, sort of reiterating the rules in Mid-South. Uh, what did you think of the overall package of these, uh, these two matches? Like I said, um, uh, a great use of Mike Jackson. Mm. Um. And like I said, never heard him on the mic before. Got some offense again. He got offense against Butch Reed. Uh, but it, it – and I guess they're trying to make sure that, you know, we understood that Mike Jackson got lucky last week or, you know, Butch Reed is the big bad guy, you know. So um, they had to make sure he safe face and got his win back over Mike Jackson. But it was yeah. good. No, it's good. Absolutely. Okay, so 
we know what's coming. Well, we know, you and I know what's coming up next, but um, the people that are listening do not. But the key at the bottom of the screen as we go out of um, go out of that segment into break says the fantastics and the state of shock is coming next. Uh, and as I was typing, yeah, and I, it was, I, I was in a state of shock after watching this. Um, and as I was typing it, I was hoping for another new video package on this tag team. Um, and coming back from break, Watts says that they don't have time for another live bout, but Joel has put together another great video package, this time to Michael Jackson and Mick Jagger's state of shock, which is something I wasn't familiar with, actually. Um, so, okay, I'm just going to run through this film and then I'll ask you well, what it was, Sorry, it go was ahead. Ja- it was the Jacksons. It was on a Jackson's five album. Oh, okay. Was it? So, so okay, so that's a, that's a slight slip, slip on there. A so, a little bit older, yeah. So that's yeah. why you may not. It didn't get near as much airplay as some of their hits. Sure. Yeah, it's interesting because that's quite a collaboration, isn't it? Between obviously two, you know, huge, huge sets of stars there. But yeah, didn't I wasn't familiar with it. So um, this one starts with the two of them walking into a gym, and there's a clipboard, and someone has written the Fantastics in big letters across it in white on uh, across the white paper. Um, it shows. Sorry, Phil. Go ahead. Oh no, they're. Sign, no, I'm just I'm just listening. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah, so I think I think they wrote it on the clipboard, didn't they? But you couldn't quite see that. And um, it, it shows the guys working out onto machines. Um, there are some arm curls in there and some flies. Um, and this starts with them in vests, uh, but they're also wearing some tiny speedo-like trunks. Uh, and then all of a sudden, their vests have been removed, and they are working out in just tiny trunks. Um, presumably, this is offending everyone else in the gym because their topless sweat on the machines must have been fairly gross. Um, this next That's, bit, the, yeah. the note I got was, um, they w- literally worked out in their wrestling trunks. They're tidy yeah. whities They worked out. I mean, which which no one would do. But no. you got to remember these are wrestlers. Yeah. So we we get we get some close up shots of like their thighs here and other. Body oh, parts. that hairy thigh was that was yeah. horrible. Yeah. I mean, we we yeah. get the we get the two on stationary bikes, and then we cut outside with them sprinting on track again, just in the trunks. Um, there's a, then there's a big thumbs up at the end on bikes, and you think it's over, but it's still going. There's more sprinting, um, and then it shows the boys with their heads under some towels, presumably worn out from their workout. And um, what says an exciting young team in the vein of the Rock and Roll Express? I just I, I'll come to you in a second, Phil. But I just, I, this was this we've seen some. I would say. Great, if a little bizarre video packages, but super 80s, incredible, really enjoyable stuff. This one is a bit odd in the sense that Mm -hmm. I thought this was a bit oddly sexually gratuitous. And it's, it's a bit strange to say that about something in wrestling. And it's more often than not the sort of thing you might say about a segment involving, um, you know, women wrestlers or valets over the years where, I mean, Dan and I talked about one on the Invasion pay-per-view review a few weeks back where there was, there was a segment between Stacey Keebler and um, and uh, Tori Wilson that was just so badly scripted and worded and it was just awful and it was really, really super yeah. sexist. But but I just thought, you know, in, in terms of this, you're – you're playing up the these guys are the, the guys the girls want to be with and the the guys the guys that the guys want to be. But it was like some of the zoom ins in the trunks. I just thought if this was this was a bit questionable. I think that if I'm going to call that that sort of thing out for you know when the girls are treated in an odd way in a bad way, but not an odd way in a just a flat out bad way. I thought this was over the line for a family orientated show and I think actually that it would have worked just the same had they been in shorts and a vest rather than this 
So that's that's what that's what I thought. I thought this was a you know a, a bit a bit too far. I thought. What did what did you think of this? Well, seems like just going to go for a joke there. I'll just pass. But <laughs> I don't think I I, I didn't. Um, yeah, I, no. Your point is valid. What we had going on in American culture at that time, MTV was in its heyday when they played. Mm when they played music and music videos and that's all they did. I can see between this and the other video packages that we've seen. And this one is odd. I, I was, I agree. It just, it was just less sexual to me and just more gross, you know, yeah. um, the, the close-ups and this, yeah, we know you guys work out hard. You know, you sweat, but see it from a distance. But if you want to see me, you lift and weight. we know you work out hard, but I don't have to be up in your face when you do it. Yeah. And I think you're uh, I th- sorry to jump in, but I think the way you said it is right. It, it was, it was gross. And I think if you, if you, if you change, if you substitute these guys out and put girls in this, it was, it's a, it would have been the sort of thing that would have been a bit creepy a and point. gross. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Too, too close up. Yeah. You're being a pervert. Watching yes, close. exactly. Uh, yeah. Now. Uh, and of course at this time, Burt Reynolds here, uh, was was appearing in in Playgirl magazine, bare chested, sweaty. That was you know that was kind of the kind of a sexy thing. So yeah, but music television, the videos that were all the other music videos that we saw. The only two places you saw music videos was on Mid South mm. and on MTV. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Well, what MTV showing at that time would be the uh, typical video of the scantily clad woman on top of the car rolling around, you know, group called poison, Tawny Katane on, you know, so it was, it was exactly parodying what we were watching on MTV. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the, so it didn't seem that shocking. It didn't seem out of place, but, but you're absolutely right. I, I think it's one of the, yeah, it's what, it's one of those things that, um, and, I, and we, we've talked, I think we've talked about this and I've talked about this other guest hosts. There's some things, whether it be um, the occasional use of maybe some insensitive dialogue that actually, and we talk, there's loads of stuff like this. There's, there's, there's things from 10 years ago in British comedy that I actually think, oh, this is a bit, this makes me feel a bit uncomfortable now because just times times are changing. We're all, we're all moving, we're all understanding, we're all, you know, learning more. But this this just doesn't, I'm sure at the time, you know, there's there's no, you know, I'm sure Joel Watts was not, thinking any of the things that I've said, it was probably an innocent, you know, let's show the guys in the gym and they're in their wrestling chunks. But actually in a way it was just, it was just a bit, bit, bit of an odd one, but there, but there we yeah, go. It would, yeah. it would have been, if they had been wearing regular gym shorts and maybe a t-shirt, you know, it, it would have gone a long way to make it. It achieves the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and maybe even better. Yeah. Yeah. No, de- oh, definitely better. Yeah, definitely better. Yeah. Um, so what? So after this, is it, something I wanted to ask you about, actually, um, Phil. So what's wishes Kerry Von Erich, um, their heartfelt best of luck in his challenge for the World of Weight Tards against Ric Flair. So do you remember this? So this was an interesting one. I touched on this last week. So the Ric Flair and Kerry Von Erich... Um, sort of rematch series um, went through Mid-South in this time. And I, I don't, I haven't been able to find anything on, you know, why that was. I presume this was a um, sort of reciprocal agreement with the, with the NWA to get these guys in and, and draw some interest in the Mid-South area for, for, for obviously their top stars as well. But do you remember this match doing the rounds in, in the, in the area? Did you, did you get to see any of these matches live? I tell you what, I went to in, in the May uh, would have been early right after Kerry won I attended, it wasn't Mid-South, I went to a town uh, near Tulsa, Oklahoma. 
Mm. Uh, where Kerry had a title defense. I saw Kerry defend the title uh, against Terry Gordy. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I could probably look it up, find the exact date, location. I think it's in Muskogee, Oklahoma. But there were times when WCCW would play some little towns in Oklahoma, like south of Oklahoma City, between Dallas and Oklahoma City. They would come up and, and do a town in, in Lawton. Uh, so we could go see some WCCW there. Now, when Bill Watts was referring, we, we secured a neutral site. Mm. Well, now, that makes perfectly good sense between a couple of soccer clubs. We're not playing on your home field. We're not playing on my home field. But what's a neutral site? I guess that would mean somewhere outside of Texas. Yes. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Uh, but not really because we're all carry fans up here. Uh, I don't, you know, so I, just an interesting phrase. He said we secure, help secured a neutral site. So where is, where is Ric Flair's? home field advantage well quite yeah absolutely i mean i I think i think a lot of this was about um you know doing uh this match was a big deal um because obviously kerry's a huge star and and i I get yeah yeah, i mean absolutely huge star and it's it's sad really what ended up sort of happening with him because i think that um we've talked about you know magnum ta and um you know what might have been with him but actually kerry was still a young man when he went when he went to the wwf and, and actually it doesn't necessarily be about he needs to go he needs to go somewhere else to do something it could have been that you know world class could have been the one that filled you know could have been the number yes. two promotion etc so yes. it doesn't always have to be about a lot of people say to me around and being like a big new japan fan and and especially in the days where um a few of the guys in AEW were were not in a not AEW wasn't a thing. And they're like, oh, don't you want them to go to WWE? And I was like, no, absolutely do not want them to go to WWE because they'll ruin them. So like, I don't want to do that. And I bet you probably felt the same about some of these people that were your, you know, your favourites as as time moved on and Mid South, um, you know, oh, Universal was oh. bought out by Jim Crockett. So I don't want them to go there because they're not going to be what I wanted. You know, what I was supporting right. at that at that point. Yeah, right. Oh, I can remember the first time seeing um, Kerry Von Erich in the WWE or first time I saw Terry Taylor in the WWE, mm. it was just, Oh, it was just horrible. Heart wrenching. Like, oh. Yeah. It was, it was heart wrenching. It really was. Um, but yeah, I got to see a carry uh, title defense. And then, um, I noticed over the weeks that Bill Watts has dropped Kerry's name often. Mm. And I think it's cause he, I guess now looking back, well, he knew we're all great fans. And if he's talking about it, he's keeping our interest in his product, you know, and, um, I don't, I just don't think they very appeared very much on Mid-South if they ever did, but he would talk about them coming. Yeah, I wonder, because two two weeks ago, they said that Ric Flair would be there the, the, for last week's show, but they did, he didn't show, but I wondered if he yeah. might have done a local promo, because you, you no, got... I'd seen, I had seen Ric Flair in person many times, like here at the Myriad. He'd they'd come mm. do house shows. Yes. I'd seen Ric Flair, you know, at the house shows at, at the Big Myriad, yeah, I don't know if I saw him in any of the smaller venues, but certainly at the Marriott Convention Center, which is the heart of uh, Mid-South in this, this state. Um, so, I, you know, Ric Flair would come through. We'd get to see him. And, yeah. you know, we just knew, uh, we just knew he was going to beat the crap out of Buddy Landell when he saw him trying to impersonate him. You know, we just <laughs> – but, you know, also uh, during this, uh, I had a memory – Told you back in February, I went to a coal miners glove match. Ah, yes. Oh, is that the one you sent me? The that is the, that is yeah. Not. yeah. I found. Oh, I was okay. Looking for it, but that one was interesting enough. Now it's at this time. It's it's 
it, it's this pro what's fixing to happen on mid South. And they're going to be a coal miners glove match between Dugan and Hernandez. And apparently they did it many times and all the different house shows. That one that I sent you was in Houston with Paul Bosch. Oh, how interesting. That was not okay. mid South at all. So mm-hmm. they were just talent on loan for the night, I guess, while they're doing that, they're traveling. Uh, so, uh, yeah, but I had a memory of going to uh, one of the coal miners glove matches. So that's why I, I was looking for it. And I sent you that one, which is yeah, very I'll similar. You know, it's very, very similar. Um, go, go uh, also, sorry, go ahead. Phil. Go ahead. No, no. Well, I was going to say before I forget, I wanted to mention, uh, and don't forget your question because I hate to interrupt you, but uh, last week or so, we was talking about me covering this episode with you. Mm. It was, it was July 16th. And that date stands on my mind for personal reason, but it's July 16th. We talked about it. So I want to, yeah, I remember that episode. I'm going to, I just re- watched it recently and I said, yeah, I want to cover that one. That's a good one. And so I watched. So what I do off now when I'm watching, I'll go to a wiki page. I'll look up a wrestler I haven't ever looked up and see what's going on now with them. And we knew, unfortunately, you know, that Tommy Rogers had passed. Uh, mm. And uh, I was wanting to see maybe if they got a clear cut, uh, reason why why Tommy had died. You know, some say suicide, some say accidental overdose, and so it, he was sitting up choking when somebody walked in on him, uh, mm-hmm. and he just didn't survive. But but there's a link to Bobby Fulton, so I clicked on Bobby Fulton's, and it said debuted debuted such and such date, retired July sixteenth, twenty twenty. Mm. And so what that's that's today that's yeah, right now that's crazy isn't so it? so i went and looked and not only that but he was talking about his health issues that had come back yes okay? so I went on social media and just last night i was talking to his son bobby bobby will be glad to be a co-host for you at some time oh amazing okay great bobby, yeah uh bobby hines son's name is dylan i believe I believe it's Dylan Hines, and he does auctions on Facebook, I've seen. He's got all kinds of memorabilia wrestlers from this time, wrestlers are signed on. So I asked Dylan Hines last night about the video package from last week, ZZ Top, Sharp Dress Man, or the mm. two weeks ago. I said, do you have any idea who these women were? Oh, brilliant. Go on, yeah. <laughs> were, they hi- were, were they hired actresses? Were they girlfriends? And I'm sorry to tell you, he has no idea. Oh, so, I did. Now his father being the bait the and switch there, Phil. Bait I and know, switch. I got you. I knew you'd like to know. I knew you would love to know who those girls were, and I would too. So, if Bobby gets in better health, I may have the courage to ask Dylan if he would ask his dad who these girls were. Oh, incredible! Uh, yeah, yeah. But I've so I've started talking with Dylan, and I'll get you in contact with him, and he might, you know, review a show of his dad. You know, oh, I tell you what, I'd love to have you on at the same time, Phil, if that works for you, because because I, I think that you you could add, you, add, you know, obviously quite a lot of uh, a background. To sure, stuff. So, yeah, sure. Let's, we'll take we'll take that off air, and we'll, we'll have we'll have a chat about that. But yeah, sure. that would definitely be something I'd love to do because I think the Fantastics are around for, um, you know, a bit a bit to come. So it'd be good to get it'd be good to get that you know, done while they're still around. Cause obviously the, uh, at the moment, the rock and roll express are not around in, um, right. And they were, know, they mid-south. were really, they yeah. were really popular and pop, uh, popular and hot. And they did just like Cornette, the midnight express when they left here, they went to WCCW. So, yeah. so we just saw, you know, more of them, you know, they kept going. Yeah. Very popular. 
Yeah, just going back to um, to Kerry and Ricks, they they did quite a. Actually, I've, I'm I'm not going back to Kerry and Ricks straight away because I'm just looking at the fantastic. So they were around for most of '84 in Mid South, um, actually, which is they were a bit of WCC, a bit of world class towards the back end. Um, but yeah, I think we've probably got certainly until the end of October in terms of episodes to to get that on. So that would be fantastic. And um, going back to um, Kerry and Rick, so um, basically. Basically, they did quite a quite a bit of a run in terms of these these rematches. Um, they so, did, and yeah, the one Kerry lost. Apparently, if I remember correctly, it was a two out of three fall in Japan. And so she's well. he, it was a split. If I maybe jumping ahead on you, but it it seems like it was a two out of three fall when Kerry lost it back. After you're just yeah, you're about a month. Right. Yeah, I wonder if that exists anywhere because I I had no idea that that was an all Japan. I knew I think I knew it was in Japan, but I had no idea it was an all Japan show that that, that match. I might have looked look for that, but they they did the mirror twice later that year. Um, in terms of that that rematch, um, and in August they did the Superdome, um, and then they 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 did another four what three events in Mid South. Um, and then they were in San Antonio, back in the Myriad in, in Oklahoma in December. So clearly, um, you know, that is a big, big time match. And that was all over the place in terms of that rematch throughout um, throughout the rest of 84. Um, and a bit Yeah, I can remember well. going to, yeah, I can remember Kerry trying to get it back from Rick. I'm certain I attended at least one of those Myriad shows. If, if Rick Flair and Kerry Von Eric were at the Myriad, I was there. Yeah, yeah. Too. To, uh, December second, eighty four was the last one. There, I think, by the looks of things, uh, and they were back. Actually, looking at this, they they did do some shows uh, for Mid South in April and May eighty five as well. Uh, one in Tulsa and one at the fairgrounds in Jackson, Mississippi, as well. Um, and that's, I think, that's about it for those two. Um, in, fa- in fact, they didn't from from June eighty five. Um, their last match was uh, in the NWA in St Louis. Uh, that was the last time they were in the ring together until um, October 1991, which, believe it or not, was a 20-man battle royal at the Royal Albert Hall, which is about 10 miles away from where oh. I'm sat at the moment. So, okay. Um, okay. Which I think British Bulldog won, uh, which would, does probably doesn't surprise you given that was in uh, was in London. But yeah, that I mean, that's a big, big-time match, that Kerry and, uh, and Ric Flair, and I'm sure that did, that did fantastic business. Um, as we go out, um, Watts talks about Adrian Street making his debut via videotape next week. Um, it's been a hot summer and it's going to be a great episode again next week. And um, this is recaps what we've seen. Um, so that's it. The August 11th, 1984 episode of Mid South Wrestling. Certainly a memorable one. Um, lots of interesting stuff on this show. And um, what did you think of this one overall, Phil? Overall, it was one of the, the better episodes. You know, a few weeks ago, it, they didn't have one. It seemed, I remember you were viewing it. Um, and, and y'all, your host agreed. This is one, one of the better episodes. This was one of the better ones. I, I yeah, thought. absolutely. I, I know you were talking about, there was like a really odd one out of nowhere that just wasn't very, like was, was, wasn't, wasn't very good for some reason, but actually the vast majority of these that I've watched, um, have been like strong, good. They make sense. Right. If you, so and, this and I, is, yeah, the, this is the second one in a row. However, that Magnum TA did not have a wrestling match. Yes, yeah. He yeah. he didn't appear at all in the previous episode. No, he's been very he's been very um quiet, isn't he? And I and I wonder I wonder what was going on in the background because um sort of spoiler alert, he's not lo- he's not all that long for Mid-South at this point. Um and sure. he isn't champion for that much longer either. Um I think that he 
Yeah, so we've got we've got another couple couple of months as him as champion, but thereafter, um, he's not a, he's, a, he's he's not he by the basically by the turn of the year he's not in Mid South anymore. Um, so I don't, yeah, it's an odd one, isn't it? You, you think that he'd be? I wonder if he was injured because actually looking at this, he mm-hmm. he is he is he was wrestling pretty regularly in July '84, um, but in August he has a bit of a break. He has a couple of weeks off around this around the time of this taping actually. Um, so I wonder whether maybe he was injured perhaps, or, or maybe there was some you know some, some sort of family situation or something. But yeah, he's. He's not around too much in August um, at all, so that's it's probably, also yeah. it's also a good commentary on how strong the Mid South roster was. That you didn't miss him last week. No, you didn't. And actually, there was there was a few weeks where um, the star power was a little bit lacking after the Rock and Roll Express had gone. Yeah, but actually, mm-hmm. they've got that back now, and I think there's I think the, the pretty young things filled and filled a nice gap actually for a few weeks. So and that's, and that's what I, I thought about that earlier. That's why they had to push the PYTs because if you're going to have tag team champions and you're going to have a heel and uh, a face team, you got to have some other teams. You just can't have just have two teams and have a championship. No, yeah, you know, exactly. you, need, you, need, yeah. you need more that to be, you know, it's incredible. You need to have more than one team. So, yeah, with the rock and roll uh, not being there, they had to had to make the PYTs look like they're a good team. You have to beat somebody, right? So, yeah, abso- absolutely. Um, Phil, thank you so much for your time. I look forward to our, our next our next catch up um, in the near future. And um, where can people find you on um, Twitter um, if they'd like to follow you and, and hear, hear chat about wrestling and and whatever it is you like to talk about on Twitter. So yeah, go ahead. Well, my Twitter is at blue eyed drummer, uh, but it's spelled B L U E E Y E D D R U M R. So it's a little, little misspelling, but if, if they, uh, I'll, there'll be a way they can find me through you through mid. Yeah. I'll, t- I'll tweet, I'll tweet to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, I'll always enjoy my time talking with you and I've enjoyed all Seriously. I'm not just, buttering you up i've enjoyed your episodes very much oh thank you very much well it's it's it's, it's i know it's a bit of an odd one a, a brit that was didn't watch any of this at the time talking about mid-south but hopefully that brings a a, a somewhat unique perspective to it and, and i'm really it, enjoying watching it, the shows. it brings a unique perspective and as do your other hosts but also just shows how good the product was it really does you know what well, absolutely any, because yeah 40 years from now will anybody be talking about an episode of wwe well, it's interesting you say that because I I think that, and I've heard other podcast hosts. There's a guy called John Pollock who works for, used to work for Live Audio Wrestling and now runs his own site, Post Wrestling, and he's the same. He he says that no one is good, no one in ten to fifteen years time is going to remember any of this stuff because it doesn't. Watching Raw, if you if I had to watch Raw every week for a job, I think I would be. I wouldn't be a very happy person in life because oh, it's so, such yeah. bad television. And actually, you're right. These things, good stuff you remember. You remember classic television moments. You remember classic sports stuff that you've been to. And this stuff is good. And if it wasn't so strong, I don't think I'd have lasted, you know, 30-odd episodes or whatever we're up to now. So, yeah, Phil, I really appreciate it again. Um, we'll set the other thing up at some point in the, in the near future and we shall speak yes, again sir. before too long. Thank you very much again. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to iTunes where you can subscribe and perhaps you'll even be kind enough to leave me a lovely five-star review, which would absolutely make my day. If you're interested in guest hosting, please contact me via the Mid-South Moments Twitter account, which is at MidMoments, and I look forward to speaking to you all again very, very soon.